You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. Welcome back in that show with those guys, Sports Headline Show. I'm your host, Sean David Drum, by my partner in crime, Warner Sanker, continuing our in-depth NFL preseason power rankings as the B drops. Man, that beat drop gets me every single time. Continuing our power rankings with the deep dive into the number 15th ranked team in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Warner, my man, how, how are you doing? I am doing amazing. Let's talk some Cowboys. They are going to be our highest ranked NFC East team. We are now done with the NFC East. If you haven't caught the rest of the teams in that division, uh, go ahead and check them out. They have all been released in Boy, oh boy, once we get to the end of this, you will see a tight playoff race in this division. Uh, Presumably, once again, the winner of this division will be the only team out of its division to make the playoffs. So let's get right into the Cowboys and and that uh, that man right there, face of the franchise, Dak Prescott. Even though though Jerry Jones just said a few days ago, as Zeke goes, we go. He said, you know, Tony Pollard's great, but as Zeke goes, we goes. Right on your number one. Show for authentic and accurate sports takes, especially football first take on ESPN. Um, but- yeah, but um, really, really quickly, guys, a quick reminder, please just subscribe right here to the Sports Headlines Show YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well. Guys, we're going to finish this preseason power ranking series. What? Then we're going to go to the NFL regular season. We're going to do our weekly NFL power rankings on release every Tuesday. Yeah, my bad. I botched it. And then also, we are going to have Madden franchises. I, 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 I threw you a lob. Madden franchise. Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't going to finish it though because we didn't have the chemistry. You know, we were. If you want to use a basketball metaphor, we were we were going. We were jacking up too many threes and missing, playing them off the rim. That, uh, anyway, we're gonna have, we're gonna have Madden franchise rebuilds. Uh, M- NFL power rankings, baseball podcast, all of that and more. We actually did a trailer slash a what's coming next to the channel video recently. Go check that out. But let's dive into this offseason for the Dallas Cowboys here that honestly, they're one of the few teams in football that I'm like, yeah, they just did not get better on paper. If anything, you can make a legitimate argument that they got worse on paper. I think they definitely had the worst offseason of the NFC East and possibly it, as you look at it, I mean, they lose two of their top four receivers, which is even an even bigger deal. Now that the, now that um, <clears throat> their number two receiver this year, number three, last year, Michael Gallup is going to be hurt for the first six games. I believe this year. And he, I think he's on the, the pup list. And then the guy you brought in James Washington out of Pittsburgh to be your number three guy is injured as well. Um, you lose Blake Jarwin, Leo Collins, Connor Williams, the offensive line that was once so stout, the you know undisputed number one offensive line in the league is now um, just losing its muster and, and also aging. Tyron Smith just a few days ago uh, lost most of his season to a torn hamstring. Um, you lose Randy Gregory, he goes to Denver, Kayon O'Neal, DeMonte Kazee, and even your kicker Greg Zerline. And again, you bring in James Washington, good addition, but he's hurt now. You bring in Dante Fowler, I mean, he he had hype when he was the number one overall pick back in Jacksonville in like 2015, but he really hasn't been a great player for you. He's not going to start for you. And you brought in Anthony Barr, who's who's a good player. He's like an edge inside linebacker. He's a good player. Um, and then you know your draft was 
fine, I guess. Tyler Smith in the first round, you can argue if that was a reach. Sam Williams towards the end of the second. I, I really like the Jalen Tolbert pick um, at 324, but nothing really moves the needles in terms of additions for this team, and they lost, again, a number one receiver in Amari Cooper. Um, Cedric Wilson, who had a breakout year for them last year, who would, would have been the slot receiver for, for this team. And also Leal Collins, who is now on, on a def- defending Super Bowl runner-ups, I guess, Bengals team. I mean, it, he he was a really good tackle for you guys, especially now that Tyron Smith is down. Just big losses all over the place for this Cowboys team. Yeah, so it, it's just a frustrating offseason for Cowboys fans after – a frustrating end to last season, um, and, and that's a good segue. And I do think we should touch on it in this coaching and scheme room here. Uh, Mike McCarthy as the head coach. But uh, this coaching and scheme here is going to rank tied 14th in football with a, 17, with a 7.90 grade, and it's going to rank 15th overall. The offense will with a 77.14 grade ranking in 15th in the NFL. But this offense, if coaching and scheme, ranks 14th in spite of Mike McCarthy, who yeah, is, is a Helen Moore led offensive unit. And he is the sole reason they are tied for 14th. Sole reason they are tied for 14th. Now I, I think there, there definitely is some Mike McCarthy principles put in here. Mike McCarthy's always been a, a, an outside zone runner. Um, they do run a lot of outside zone concepts, but um, Mike McCarthy for him to be in an out in offensive minded coach or whatever, he really looked like he grew out of time in the in the in uh, Green Bay, and the league mm-hmm. kind of surpassed him. Um, and really, he ran out of favor in Green in Green Bay. He uh, just, he just was not good. Concepts and stale he, passing concepts. He overstayed his welcome there. Who was just carried by Aaron Rodgers, and he, he does not do anything for you defensively. His special teams has always been awful. Uh, dating back to his days in Green Bay and, and a little bit here in, in Dallas as well. So now if he's your CEO, quote unquote head coach, like a John Harbaugh, like a in some ways a Mike Tomlin and some of these other prolific head coaches, he's not a C or yeah. Dan Campbell. Even so, I mean, those guys excel at gritty play on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and really good special teams, and he doesn't do either of that for you. He doesn't do either of those, and I'm not sure Mike McCarthy – is a quote-unquote leader of men, a guy that can really galvanize a locker room here. And I think last season. The leader on the team, obviously, is the quarterback, Dak Prescott. Had Jason Garrett as the leader of men for his team. So, (laughs) probably seems like, you know, the best head coach ever. The the guy that is going to lead you into, I mean, sounds like freaking General Eisenhower in World War II to Dak Prescott after Jason Garrett. Yes, but let's talk about Kellen Moore here. Who, um, and well, actually, I'm, I want to skip Kellen Moore for a second. I want to talk about that just befundling decision against the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. But if we're being honest, um, I think the bigger problem was I, I don't like the play call, but I think it was just if you're going to do that, you have to nail it perfectly. And it was just really poor execution, honestly. I that like has the- they weren't expecting it. I think it was a great time to call it. But again, yeah, Dak, the offensive line, has Dak to has know to that situation. They just played it wrong. The ref has got to touch the ball. He's got to place the ball. Then you can line up over it. 
And the ball, if I remember correctly, got knocked out of the ref's hands. Somebody had to go run and grab it, give it back to it. And by that time, we got triple zeros. And, and, and also, I think I think Dak had to go down earlier. I think Dak, yeah. mm-hmm. in this scenario, wasn't uh, didn't have great time aware, clock awareness here and understanding, hey, I got to get down after the yards. I need to at least give my team an opportunity to try to win this ball game. I believe it was a six-point game at this point, so a touchdown wins it. Um, or a touchdown, and obviously Greg's hairline, who struggled last year, makes the extra point. Um, but I, I think the play call itself was okay. I wouldn't have called it, but I understand it in, in some ways. You know, like Warner said, they weren't expecting it at all. And, uh, you know, sure, you, you would have time to write another play. I think Dak has to get down sooner, and though. It's, but It's not like they were getting crazy. I mean, it was 23-17 at that point. They'd only scored 17 points offensively. Um, it, it's not like your offense has been cooking. Why not a little trickery, catch the Niners off guard, gain – a good chunk of yards and at least set yourself up for a shot to the end zone. Exactly. Um, I, I personally, now let's talk about uh, Keller Moore as a play caller. Um, I really think he, do, he does some nice things here offensively for this Dallas Cowboys team. I think he can get really, really creative with the passing game here and, and really scheming op- uh, open touches for guys. I thought he was a big reason why. Cedric Wilson had this just breakout season, scheming him open across the middle of the field, deep down the field, allowing him to be playmaker, a playmaker. I mean, you've talked about it in the past. When you have guys like Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb on the edge, Michael Gallup on the edge uh, of the defense, the defense is naturally going to go to those guys because they are super, super talented and explosive as well. Usually those explosive big yardage receivers are on the sideline, outside the numbers, making big plays. Um, or starting outside the numbers and running posts and corners, the slot receiver isn't necessarily getting most of those down-the-field vertical stretching routes. And so I think that's what helped Cedric Wilson succeed a lot is the threat from the outside playing the matchup and getting a single-coverage guy on a slot corner who, or a slot receiver who's quick, has good hands, runs sharp routes, and can get open in one-on-one. Exactly. So – um. Let's move on. In terms of, you know, the, the scheming and stuff like that, they're going to be running a lot of uh, the, the modern pro spread passing game. The, you know, the quick hitter, get the ball out of, of Dak's hands and, um, you know, allowing Dak to, to really go through his reads and things of that nature. But but really just get quick game passing game um, in terms of the drop back. They, they can get a little creative with the passing concepts as well, of the drop back stuff. Uh, moving on here to this. Quarterback room, Dak Prescott is going to rank 13th here in football in the NFL. That might come off as a hot take. Cowboys fans are going to shred us for this, but I don't give two flying bananas. Um, I probably could be something else other than bananas. But um, Dak ranking 13th here. I think Dak, the lack of arm strength, I think, does hinder him. He, he's not he's not like just, just noodle arm quarterback or anything, but – I do think Dak doesn't have that elite arm talent to, to really take the top off of defenses. Um, I, I think Dak, he, his, his, greatest, his greatest strength, I think, can also be his biggest weakness as well, where he's too he's so good, I think, at going through his reads and going through his progressions that he gets almost too much in his own head sometimes, like anticipating things to come open. Now he's throwing picks over the middle of the field and, yeah. and things of that nature. 
I do think there will be weeks in this season, kind of similar to Kirk Cousins, where you're going to get top 10, maybe even top eight quarterback play out of Dak Prescott. But I think there's also going to be a few weeks in the season where you're getting like the 16th to 20th best quarterback in football. And this team oh, needs. Yeah. And this down sacks taken, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And this team needs more with this roster talent. This team needs Dak to be closer to that top eight, top 10 quarterback, which I don't, I don't think Dak is a top eight, top 10 quarterback. I don't, obviously we do not. He's ranking 13th for us, but I think you can, and when people rank him like 10th or whatever, I'm like, okay, I think you can make, could make an argument, but I think the inconsistencies are too glaring. I, th- I just think there are other quarterbacks who are better, but the thing with Dak and, and Warner kind of alluded to it, alluded to it there. I think Dak's pocket presence is super overrated. He, he'll just stand in the pocket too long and not sense the especially pressure. Especially with his offensive line, especially with Tyron Smith going especially down. Especially with Tyron He's Smith gone. Exactly. I think it's super underrated. It either leaves him holding onto the ball too long and he gets sacked, or he's, you know, he he's throwing it or something, or something bad happens. Um, and then also, I think another trait that I, I just think the elite or the really good quarterbacks have that Dak doesn't. If it's third and eight, if it's third and eight, right, and the Cowboys need obviously you need a first down, it's third and eight. Dak Prescott isn't a Justin Herbert or a, a Lamar Jackson even or a Joe Burrow, a, a Josh Allen, or one of these other guys, hell, even a Kirk Cousins. He isn't one of these guys that will – Kurt Dak is going to – Where are you going with this? Are you going to talk about running? No, no. Okay, okay, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> he isn't last there for that. One of my problems with Dak Prescott on third down is he's too conservative. He throws it so short of the Ooh, stick yes. so often, and he's Very relying tough. on playmakers to do his job forward. No, you know, these you look at these quarterbacks that I even again I throw Kirk Cousins in that category as well. I think Kirk does get aggressive on those third downs and, and putting the ball in play to try to advance the sticks yeah. and not play he short of it. To. Huh? He didn't used to. Kirk Cousins he didn't used didn't to. Always be like that, but he has definitely done. Now, I will say some of that could definitely be on the shoulders of Kellen Moore. You've got to have some deeper, quicker routes. But, again, if you're just having a little swing by Zeke or Tony Pollard out of the backfield, that's got to be the, oh, crap, guy's in my face, throw it off my back foot, toss it out there, hope he can get it, not hang in the pocket, hang in the pocket. CD's not open. Um, At this point, James Washington's not open. (laughs) Yeah, James Washington's not open or something. Uh, let me just throw it out to Zeke and see if he can make four guys miss. That's 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 that can't be your approach on third and eight, especially coming down to crunch time, late third, fourth quarter. Yeah, so I, I think Dak's conservativeness on third down, combined with I think again he's a very overrated. Uh, he has very over pocket presence, um, and I think his inconsistencies as a quarterback, personally, I just don't think. Especially when you start talking top eight, I think that's ridiculous, but. That's why I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. I think he's a really good now, quarterback. I will say, I do like uh, the way most of the time, the way he uses his legs. He's a really strong quarterback. He's got good, pretty good contact balance. He can, you know, take a hit, right? He's not just going to get blown back at the ball. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think he could benefit from using them a little bit more often because he does tend to 
take some sacks or stay in the pocket so long that his throw gets altered um, off its course. And, and that just, you know, that's obviously going to kill a drive. Might as well run with the, the talent he has and the power he has in his, in his frame to, you know, get fall forward for that extra yard or two. Right. So we spent a lot of time talking about Dak and Cowboys fans are, are going to be mad at that. But I, I think Cowboys fans, if, if you're a real Cowboys fan, I think what we just said there is very justified about Dak Prescott. But moving on to this receiving room here, just going to rank 20th in football. Such a massive fall back in terms of a receiving room uh, compared yeah. to what they had last season. Where I, I want to say we ranked them first in receiving room with uh, C.D. Lamb. Yeah. Amari uh, Cooper, Michael Gallup, and then obviously the emergence of uh, Cedric Wilson really just took the top off of defenses. But um, again, you lose, you lose Cedric Wilson, and now Ceedee Lamb is being demanded to be a legit surefire number one receiver um, and really establish himself as one of the more pr- premier receivers in football. Michael Gallup is what he is, man. Is this a boundary receiver who I think has a very limited route tree? Um, and the James Washington, your more gimmicky guy you can who scheme open is now out. So now you're relying on Jalen Tolbert, a rookie. And, and this is going to be a, a big weakness for this team in general. Just the depth on this team is, is really, really concerning and troubling. Literally in every single room on this, uh, in this offense, just the depth is one of the worst in the league. If there's an injury to anybody on this team, then, uh, you know, it's going to be troubling. Dolan Schultz is a really nice well-rounded tight end. Um, and then Tony Pollard, honestly, this might be a hot take. I really do think Tony Pollard is the better running back uh, than Ezekiel, at least based off of what we saw last season. Definitely um, more explosive than Zeke is. W- way more explosive than Zeke is. I think the offense really shined a lot more when Tony Pollard was the uh, was the running back. Go ahead, Warner. Yeah, and I think you, uh, you throw in Jalen Tolbert um, – you throw in Jalen Tolbert, the rookie. I mean, you've got a lot of young players here. Jalen Tolbert, Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, um, Lee Davis, Aaron Champlin, not to mention CeeDee Lamb, who's still on his first contract. Tony Pollard, of course. James Washington is on his, the first year of his second contract. Michael Gallup still has you. So they they are they have a nice guy. And they've got a great duo of CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. I really do love um, his, his skill set and the versatility he brings, both being able to stretch the field but also being – um, kind of a short yardage situation. He didn't have to do that a lot uh, with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, but um, he could be that short yardage wide receiver as well, running a quick slant and out, just getting open quickly. And then, yeah, once James Washington comes back, I think that's really going to help out the squad. Um, just being that quick, scheme open looks, gimmicky guy, uh, combine him with Jalen Tolbert. I think you're looking at two really explosive, dynamic receivers uh, next to CeeDee Lamb and, and Michael Gallup. Um, we've got Tony Pollard's name both on the list twice, but I think Pollard's your better receiving weapon. Uh, Zeke's number two, uh, and that's mainly because of explosiveness um, and what he can do with the ball in his hands. He's honestly better at making guys miss, and right now he's faster than Zeke is. He's just a more explosive runner. He can do more damage with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, you could argue if Zeke is the act- the better back overall um, in terms of, you know, handoff in the backfield, inside zone, outside zone, uh, whatever you want to say there. Um, but I think, you know, Tony Pollard is is certainly the most, more explosive guy. And honestly, I wouldn't mind the Cowboys and Kellen Moore giving him more carries than um, some fantasy owners and Cowboy fans would like for him to get just because of 
kind of the lack of explosiveness in, in Zeke's game. And and that's not to say he's a, you know, a 30-year-old Matt Forte um, who just kind of fell off a cliff, but um, he is not anywhere near that top five running back that he, that he used to be. Um, but moving on now to the running back situation. Um, again, we talked about it. I think Zeke's still the RB1 on the squad, um, but Tony Pollard's really creeping up on him. And, um, you know, it's – it's going to be, uh, uh, I think, running back by committee as we come down the stretch. I think it has to be. I think that if you really want to preserve Ezekiel Elliott, I think it has to be a running back by committee here. And by running back committee, I mean, like, you know, Zeke and Tony Pollard splitting touches and if not identical touches, like playing the hot hand. like yeah. one yeah. 15 carries, 13 carries or something like that. 17, know? 12 or, or, you know, like just – I think you have to do it that way to preserve both of them and to really preserve Ezekiel Elliott. And that contract now looks awful. And, and Zeke, Zeke honestly just hasn't been the same these past couple of seasons. So honestly, uh, I'm not sure what their cap situation would be like, but um, uh, I, I, I think personally that if, if it's not too much of a detriment to them, if, Ezekiel Elliott does have a good season this year. I really do think you might consider cutting him this offseason. I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the numbers here um, on on what uh, how I much think they it would just lose. take straight up eighteen off the cap. Yeah, but but Warner, really quickly while, while I look at that, uh, what what would you think about that? Are you are you against that at all? What, what are your thoughts? I, on I that? wouldn't necessarily be against it. I don't think you have any trade value with him just because the contract he's on the position he plays in kind of that downward trajectory, but uh, you As combine. Back. Yeah. 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 Um, but you combine him and Tony, Tony Pollard, Rico Dowell as well. You've got two younger guys and Davis and Champlin. Um, you've got depth here. Um, it's not great depth, but again, you can always draft a running back. We've seen plenty of guys taken in the fourth, fifth and sixth round that have been really, really good players uh, for multiple teams here. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't think you know. I think it's it's a lesson. Uh, you don't take a running back at number four overall because he's gonna play. For, he's gonna play through that first contract, be you know top five back, maybe the number one back in the league, and uh, then you know he's he's just when you're giving them the ball three hundred times a season. That's kind of my worry with Derrick Henry as well. They're giving him the ball so many times. He's getting so much volume that he's just going to end up getting burnt out. That's, that's, that's my fear there. Um, same thing, honestly, with Christian McCaffrey. But um, I, I think you, you have your duo of backs. You have Dak Prescott. They're, they're going to be fine rushing the ball here. Um, the only question really is going to be that offensive line and the run blocking. Right. And uh, after running some of the numbers, uh, it, it really only is a, a good thing if the Dallas Cowboys were – to cut Ezekiel Elliott yeah. after this season. If they cut him before June 1st, heading into next year, uh, for next year, they save around $4 million, uh, just under $5 million. But in 2024, they would save $14 million that season if they cut him post, uh, which means like you're pretty much going to OTAs and like, stuff like that tra- and getting ready. If you cut him yeah. after June 1st, then you are saving yourself for next season uh, $10 million although your savings for 2024 does start to dwindle. Uh, you go from $85 million in cap to 93 um, if you kind of post June 1st uh, in 2024. But if you kind of pre-June uh, – basically what my point is it depends on which year you want cap space for. If you want cap space for 2023, 
you cut him post Super Bowl, then no, that's stupid because then what's the point? So I think you should cut. If you're going to cut Zeke, you cut him before June 1st because it's easier to free up some cap space for that free agency class. And you have $99 million in salary cap uh, and cap space for 2024 as opposed to 93 if you waited. Um, So I really do think it is a viable option. You do cut Ezekiel Elliott after this season. He'll be going to his age 28 season, heading really honestly into the wrong side of 30. You're nearing that age anyway. Um, and he'll be making his cap number be $16 million, which would take up seven, nearly seven and a half percent of your salary cap. This is the first year of this. I mean, that's like, an, that's like, uh, a, a number two. I mean, Christian Kirk got 19 and a half to be a number one in Jacksonville. Number one receivers are getting 20, 25 mil. That's a solid number two receiver. That's a, that's a solid edge rusher right there. That's just a, a good player at many different and also honestly more valuable positions um as well but as we talk about more valuable positions this offensive line is just completely depleted make a note here this graphic was obviously made before the tyron smith injury smith is out tyler smith will end up sliding over either to left or right tackle uh him and Terrence Steele will be the tackle duo and then you're looking at connor mcgovern in at left guard um just a depleted line um completely depleted line that honestly is going to be I think just above average at blocking uh, at run blocking and and considerably below average uh, in terms of pass protection. Uh, it's other than Zach Martin, there are no real you know bright spots guys that you can really rely on. Uh, Zach Martin pulling, I think, is going to be a key key for this for this offensive line. Now let's talk about it. It's going to rank 14th, but now you know we were not factoring in the Tyron Smith injury here. So now Tyron Smith's out for the foreseeable future. So now you're looking at a Josh Ball potentially starting a left tackle. And um, it, it's unfortunate we weren't, we weren't able to calculate the grade yeah. here. But now you're losing one of the best, you know, blocking left tackles. It's not the best blocking left tackles. Pass and run blocking. I mean, pass run blocking, exactly. At- you're looking so, at Tyrant Smith, obviously, Trent Williams for sure, and then Trent, Ronnie Trent Stanley uh, yeah. or or David Bakhtiari, really. I mean, it's, so, and, and it's yeah, hard. you're losing one of those guys, and and now your options are Josh Ball, and basically, and this is the problem with this offensive line. You look at the offensive tackle depth; all these guys are just super, super raw offensive or uh, pass protecting prospects and Josh Ball is the best run blocker but even then he gets bullied um and they just don't have great technique you drafted a rookie in Tyler Smith who's probably gonna be uh who's gonna be your left guard I, I, I maybe try to kick him off the I, left think, I think they slide I mean they drafted Smith um out of Tulsa he was a tackle at Tulsa I think he's gonna end up playing left or right tackle um Terrence Steele again on the other side and I, I think Connor McGovern will be your best bet. He's just a clear upgrade over Josh Ball. Um, I think you, I think you end up starting the rookie on the outside, despite him being a rookie and despite him not having the best uh, pass protection, uh, really game uh, technique. You know. So yeah, now Dak Prescott is going to be running for his life, like we mentioned, especially when he he. I don't think he's good. Uh, Goodman facing pressure and now the the running lanes are going to be extremely clogged up so I'm incredibly concerned now about this Dallas Cowboys offense and how they're going to function 
no Ty- no Tyron Smith. And uh, it, it's really going to be a nightmare now uh, offensively. I think they're going to really have some some things to figure out, and I think it's going to be on the hands of Callum Moore in this offense to figure some things out, but some strengths and weaknesses. Reliable playmakers, I do think they have some decent guys. Uh, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott still, although I think they should cut him after this year. Dolan Schultz. Uh, my, uh, Michael Gallup, when he gets back, CD Lamb, obviously, they have a good group of playmakers. I do think the reliability of Dak Prescott is a strength because most weeks you're getting a good quarterback, with some weeks you're getting an elevated guy who's around a top eight to ten quarterback. Although, just some weeks you're getting like 16 through 20. overall, overall, Dak is a positive for this team, a strength and a stability for this offense that is going through so much. Tyron Smith is hoping for a return in December, um, which, I mean, he tore it completely off of the bone. I ain't no doctor, but that sounds painful and like a long-term injury there. But um, hopefully he comes back in, you know, mid-December, we'll say, and they get back to it. But um, it's – Mid-December, you're talking like week 15. Yeah, it's 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 not looking good. Um Offensive line might be a weakness now. We didn't even talk about Zach Martin being single-handedly the best offensive lineman in football. Um, so shout out to Mart to, to Zach Martin, who has just been way, a rock. And and him I, and Quinn Nelson. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I I got an interesting stat about Zach Martin, but uh, go ahead. No, yeah, we we didn't talk about Zach Martin being a stud and probably being the best individual offensive lineman in football. Uh, he is a strength as well, but. Man, I am really, really concerned now. But go ahead, Morty. You had a stat about Zach Martin. Yeah, he uh, has made the Pro Bowl in eight seasons in his career. And um, Sean, guess how many holding calls have been called against him in his career? I told One. you a stat earlier, but seven. So he has more Pro Bowls than holding calls against him. He is incredible. The only part is, um, I believe he has said he's not going to play tackle. So, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, he can't be your saving grace out there. He, he's not uh, playing the Elton Jenkins role of swinging between every all five positions and um, just being master. Uh, no, no doubt he could put on a master class at any spot, but, um, you know, he's 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 just a great – he's a great player overall. And, and yeah, you know, it's, you can't really put an individual offensive lineman as a strength for this team, but he is definitely – uh, a great player for the squad and, and also really a leader for this team as well in this um, young offensive line that they're going to have to run out. Let's take a look at this defense now that I do think is, is going to be some optimism here. Um, and uh, yeah, head coach again, Mike McTrash, um, who again does <laughs> nothing. And his, yeah. he, he, looks like a comp- he, he looks like a competent head coach because he has good coordinators around him. Um, and, and he had a pretty solid roster. Well, that's a TBD this year, though. And he had a solid roster last year. But Dan Quinn running typically, he was very much so more of a Seattle cover three uh, defensive guy. By the way, they're going to break 16 for the coaching and scheme here, 18th overall defensively. But um, Dan Quinn definitely being more of a uh, cover three, Seattle cover three. Uh, defensive play caller last season he actually kind of opened things up a little bit more I actually did a video I think on Instagram kind of explaining yeah some of the some of the tendencies and they ran a lot more uh cover one or and, and they ran a lot more uh they they, they, ran, they really just opened things up 
What'd you say, Warner? Man coverage. Man, they ran a lot more man coverage last season. Um, and I, I believe as well, they ran a lot more. I'm trying, let me see if I can find it. They ran a lot more too high safety stuff as well last season. That makes really good sense, though. With Trayvon Diggs being the gambler he is, you got to have somebody over the top just in case he gambles wrong and, and gets beat, you know. Um, but I think that just that allows him to gamble even more and, and, and get more interceptions. Although this defense will certainly, and we'll touch on this later, but they will certainly face turnover regression. You're not going to see another probably seven interception season, much less what the 11 or 13 that he had um, last year. But, yeah, coming from that Seattle three defense, I mean, he – I didn't really think about this until now, but he could be the reason why Dante Fowler is now now a Cowboy as they had some ties in Atlanta. Um, but talking about Dante Fowler, let's get into this pass rush. He's going to rank 10th overall, and that is because Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. Um, they also drafted Osa Adigizua uh, in the 2021 class. They have Neville Gallimore as well. Um, that's a sol- solid starting four there, hence the 10th ranking. Um you're also looking at Dorrance Armstrong as your other kind of defensive end. If um, if Micah Parsons does not line up as that edge player, um, but you got a really solid pass rush, a great duo with Demarcus Lawrence and uh, and and Micah Parsons, and you know Odigizua is is just in him and Armstrong are just good enough to supply pressure and keep the offensive line busy. There are no slashes in their own right. Dante Fowler's a good speed rusher off the edge as well. Uh, Terrell Basham is a, is a, you know, a solid edge rusher who can, you know, defend the run too, uh, at least better than a guy like Dante Fowler can. But I'm really looking forward to seeing if Osa Adigizua can develop his, his run defense to be an all three down type of defensive tackle. Neville Gallimore just doesn't push the needle uh, for this team, either pass rushing or run blocking. And you may say, well, then just have a guy like Tristan Hill come in and, and rush the passer. Well, the problem with that is he is disastrous against the run and uh, really just a liability there. So you'd be a fool not to run the ball straight at him. Um, so overall, I think um, this this room has has pretty good depth. Um, but again, Micah Parsons and Marcus Lawrence are going to run the show and just cause chaos in, in opposing teams, def- uh, offensive backfields. Now, I want to talk about the secondary here. I was wrong, apparently. I'm looking at the data right now, so uh, I do get things wrong as well, guys. I do apologize. And this is <laughs> <Kyrie Irving. laughs> um, <laughs> But um, it, it, you guys have to check on YouTube while I was doing there. But um, to actually be more correct, I guess this is a credit to Dan Quinn kind of disguising some things up here. The Dallas Cowboys, they had the lowest frequency or lowest coverage rate of running cover three in football last season, um, which, it, again, is something. To Dan Quinn because that's something that we touched on. Mike McCarthy didn't do. He didn't adapt. He didn't adjust. Dan Quinn did. He ran a whole lot of cover three in Atlanta. The defense is kind of fading away. Now it's more popular cover two, cover four uh, with some man coverage and blitzes sprinkled in. Um, cover three is kind of losing its potency. Um, and, and I think kudos to Dan Quinn for, for changing that up. Now here's what, here's what's interesting. I remember this is why I did the video. They ran the second, and I believe I'm trying, uh, this was around mid season. They ran the second highest frequency of man coverage with a one safety high look, 
which is really, really fascinating. And uh, they, they did a decent amount of, of man coverage with a too high safety look, but they ran a lot of man last year, and they ran a decent amount of cover four, which, again, like Warner was saying, they were a little bit above average in terms of cover four. But like Warner was saying, this is kind of the way the NFL and how teams are, you know, scheming things up coverage-wise are, are playing these days. It's not – it's Just a whole lot – counter the vertical passing game, and, and that's the best way to do it. Have a lot of corners – deep down the field and then warner what's the most popular scheme in football right now that we feel like we reference every single podcast somehow that would be a scheme that this team actually doesn't run it's one of the few that don't run it on the offense side of the ball and that is that you know wide zone kyle shanahan disguised play action monstrous frightening passing attack um that that about 17 out of um 18 teams out of a hat run. I mean, it is incredibly popular in the NFL right now. And that scheme absolutely murders cover three. It yes. murders cover three out of, of oblivion. And that's why they and that's why I think cover three, like Warner mentioned, it's started, it's still popular, but it's definitely starting to lose traction. You're seeing a lot of teams uh run more cover four, run more man coverage where you can to put an NBA comparison, it's like switching defenses. It's like it's like switching screens in the NBA to beat these crossing routes. You're more like passing off guys to uh, other uh, other players in the back half of your secondary. But either way, let's talk about this secondary now and their pass coverage. But I just wanted to touch on that because I thought that was really really interesting in, in how they um, how they play with their coverage. Um, Honestly, a great a great idea, um, film breakdown wise, would be to explain kind of in more depth than I'm about to do now why the Shanahan defense or offense really destroys cover three. And as a um, as a defensive back and a linebacker, you're always taught in coverage to get depth, get depth, get depth. You can always break in. It is a lot harder to break back on a ball with a receiver going behind you. So right. the brilliant thing about cover four or a two man or a, a, a cover one look is you've got, in cover one, you've got one safety high with um, <clears throat> man coverage on the two outside guys. And, and also your slot guy, you've got man coverage on the receivers. So where they go, you go. So you've got an extra man deep and men on whatever receiver is running on whatever part of the field. In cover three, you've only got three guys deep and four guys up underneath. Typically with the one high safety look unless they try to disguise it with a two high safety show. Yeah, but, but one of those guys is going to rotate down anyways. And if you could see what I'm drawing on this piece of paper torn out of my notebook, is the Shanahan offense. The brilliant thing about it is it it uh, it crosses it crosses zones, so it can it causes miscommunications. If the safety's looking into the backfield or looking at the crosser coming underneath them, there's going to be a, a post typically coming right over top of that safety and technically out of the cornerback zone where another crossing route's coming into that zone, and there, it's all being snuck right behind linebackers and, and the nickel backs and the safety that drops, whatever, whoever's dropping, whoever those four low defenders are, it's going to be running over top of them. So they can't really make a play on it. Because again, if you're not getting depth, you're not going to be able to counter this scheme. Um, and, and it's also moving through the deep routes are moving through zones of usually the corner safety corner trio that has a deep part of the field, which just makes it so difficult to, um, to defend, especially with the enhanced speed that a lot of these receivers have now, you take one wrong step, you're a second late on your break, and the, the they're gone over top of you for a 65-yard touchdown. 
Warner should be in charge of any football breakdowns, swim breakdowns this year. That was awesome to listen to, brother. Now, let's talk about this secondary room. Uh, do, we, do we have the picture of the drawing? Uh, we can't really. Your blurred background is uh, messing it up, but uh, kudos to you, man. I really appreciate that. Let's talk about this secondary room actually now. Trayvon Diggs. This room's actually going to rank 22nd in football. Trayvon but I thought Diggs. Trayvon Diggs was a top three corner in the league. Sean Davis, co-host of the Sports Headline Show. Oh, thank you, Warner Sanker, also co-host of the Sports Headline Show. That is ridiculous. Trayvon Diggs <laughs> is not a top three corner in football. He's not a top ten quarterback cornerback in football. He might even might like they're, they're, he might be just barely top twenty. I mean that with all legitimacy. He's a, fine, he's a fine corner that gambles, in my opinion, all too much and does not have, uh, let's just say, a good return on investment during that gambling like you you'll take the 13 picks or whatever you have but he he's gonna give up 13 touchdowns yeah you can't give up 1100 yards and 13 touchdowns. exactly but i i think the problem with trayvon Diggs is he's playing in a role where they need him to be that shut down number one corner to take away a side of the field he he could be the best number two corner in the league it's great when Mark. you have a shutdown corner and then all the balls have to go to Trayvon Diggs' side and he can gamble all he wants with a safety over top. Exactly. I mean, you look back at the Jets team with Darrell Revis and Antonio Cromartie. You want, you want, you, Cromartie was getting six, seven picks a year because nobody threw it to Revis. Or are you on a more current-day version? The Ravens, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus, Marcus Peters. Peters. Yep. You are not throwing it to Marlon Humphrey's side. They're both healthy. You're not throwing it to Marlon Humphrey's side. And now Marcus Peters, this is why Marcus Peters had a really great year one in Kansas City when he was a rookie, but he wasn't able to be as good because they were asking him to be a, a number one corner to shut down the side of the field. He just wasn't that. He was too he was too opportunistic. But the, the, the comp is there. There are two corners with great ball skills, really opportunistic outside <laughs> corners who – Listen to these numbers real quick for – I mean – this guy gets me excited like the back of Ed Reed's football card. Eight picks in his rookie year. year, uh, year. Marcus 280 Peters? Re- yeah, 280 return yards, two pick like, sixes, 26 yeah. passes defended. Then he follows that up with, while missing a game, six picks and 20 PDs. Then he has five picks for another league-leading 137 yards in return. No touchdowns. Then he has three for 107, five for 210 while being traded to the Ravens, scoring three defensive touchdowns, and then he has four picks in 2020 for the Ravens. I mean, that is an insane football card. I, oh, man, I love it. This is just like the perfect comparison. Trayvon Diggs needs a situation where he has a number, a true number one on the outside on the opposite uh, side of the field as him that's going to take away that side of the field. Like Warner mentioned, Darrell Reeves and Antonio Camardi, or like I mentioned, the Ravens, the current-day Ravens, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters where you have a corner that's a shutdown, number one cover corner, Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Jair Alexander, um, uh, Tredavious White, um, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward. You need one of those guys on the opposite side of the field, and now you allow Trayvon Diggs to be this number two corner with the safety help over top that just gets to be this opportunistic ball hawk corner um, because when he ha- when he has to be a number one, and let's be honest, you look at the rest of it, these guys they have. Yikes! I mean, like Jordan Anthony Brown is okay, sure. Um, Jordan Lewis, I mean, like, like they, they they're fine. I, I I also really think they have good 
uh, run defense secondary pieces as well. But peanut in terms of another one for those uh, Bears teams in the mid 2010s. Yeah, and then I mean Micah Parsons. I I actually really think Micah Parsons grew last season as a coverage. Yeah, and and he He really really grew. Best defensive player in the league. Once Aaron Donald starts to slow down, assuming he what, does. Yeah. He's so, he could be so dominant in coverage. He's already such a great pass rusher. He already plays run pretty well. I mean, he gets a little bit better defending the run and a little bit better. In, oh, man, he's just a weapon. Like, you hear the term offensive weapon for Debo Samuel, wide back. Well, Micah Parsons is a defensive weapon. He's just – he does it all. He's basically yeah. what the Cardinals hoped Isaiah Simmons would be. Well, you typically – you better hit because if you don't hit, you draft the linebacker in the top 15 picks. It does not work. But honestly, again, Micah Parsons, he's, he's just so dynamic, and he is a chess piece. Like Warner mentioned, he's like Aaron Donald in that way. Not saying he is Aaron Donald, but in the way that d- defenses can, can use him and how – he is a player that's so versatile that you can bring him off the edge. You can have him as a Mike linebacker. You can drop him in the coverage. He is a chess piece for Dan Quinn to use defensively. I think he's been able – he's allowed Dan Quinn to get really creative defensively. But let's talk about now the run defense here. It's going to rank 24 that I honestly don't feel too, too confident about. Again, Micah Parsons is really going to help out a lot. Liam Vanderesh is still, when healthy, I suppose, a good, um, a good run defender. You look at that oh, that defensive line, not named Demarcus Lawrence. You are getting bullied on this defensive front here. Um, yeah. o- Osai Degazua, I think, has a bunch of upsides still. And I was super, super high on him coming out of UCLA. So still more pass rusher than a run defender, though. That's that's the flaw True. there. And you don't really throw. Again, I touched on Tristan Hill, Carlos Watkins. Honestly, probably isn't even an upgrade over Adigazua as a run defender. And neither is, I mean, Neville Gallimore. And you you need two of those interior defensive linemen in there. Um, you know, you've got a great trio of, of linebackers if you're counting Parsons as that, which I guess I technically, we technically are here in this graphic. But uh, again, Van Der Esch, Parsons, and Anthony Barr, really good. Um, Malik Hooker and J. Ron Curse, in terms of run defense, um, you know, are solid players um and you know it just comes down to can the front four or five uh depending again on where Micah Parsons is lining up can they keep guards and tackles from getting to the second level and to the linebackers and to the safeties agreed uh, imagine oh my god I, d- I just read your message that you just said <laughs> yeah imagine <laughs> that all right Let's take a look here at your defensive strengths and weaknesses. Uh, edge rush duo, I, I think, you know, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence are just studs. Word. Um, versatile linebackers. I think you could do some really creative things with Parsons, Land Van Der Esch, and some of the other guys you got. Um, the lack of a true standout. I know Trayvon Diggs is is great, but um, I, I think he's going to – I think he's going to hurt you more. He's going to help you. And that, that kind of leads into the turnover regression. Yeah. Like I, I don't have his stats right in front of me, but Trayvon Diggs isn't going to have this insane production that he had last season. I mean, he had 11 interceptions last year. I'm willing to bet money. He does not have. I believe. No, no, huh? 11. He's got, he, 11. 11. You're right. Yeah. Like he ranked in the top 30 in the NFL top 30, uh, top 100 list. I'm like, no, he is nowhere near that. Um, so yeah. 
He was, that he, was, he was a terrible year. He was voted out. 23, by the way. Number 23. Like, yeah, that, that's just ridiculous. He's not the he might be the 23rd best corner in the league. Yeah, yeah, he, he's closer we should do, to that we should do range. Position rank, dude, we got to do position rankings during the NFL season. Yeah, that, Outside that would, of, like, rankings, position rankings, I think it would be a great idea. That would be fun. Um, I'll so that right next to my cover three defense here on this piece of paper. <laughs> um, also, to add on with, to this, man, like, like, like we talked about, um, this is a really soft interior defensive line here that it's going to get ran over quite often so um that definitely concerns me but um overall this defense is gonna rank 18th this team is gonna rank 15th ranking 15th offensively although we didn't factor in Tyron Smith so maybe a little bit worse than 15th but 15th offensively 18th defensively for a final grade of 74.44 let's take a look at the biggest over under odds and uh man like Warner says to be a tight race to the finish here of the NFC East, it's going to be even, even tighter now that Tyron Smith is out yeah, until at least December. Sure. Um, we're going to have them finishing 10-7. and seven. I do think the schedule is light enough to where they'll get some wins. They start off the year at, uh, at home against the Bengals and, and, and the Buccaneers. They'll lose those two games, but then they'll beat the Giants. They're going to lose to Washington in week four. Um, so they already a massive slow star, one and four to start the season. December fourth is the Colts game, and that's, that's the first of December, and that is a very crucial game because that game we have them marked down as a win right now. Could definitely go either way, and I honestly lean towards the Colts with Tyron Smith probably being out. Yeah, um, we have them losing to the Rams as well, week five. They beat the Eagles week six, the Lions week seven, the Bears week eight. So you kind of get some momentum back heading into the bye. Now you're four and four, and you come out of it losing to the Packers and the Vikings in week 10 and 11. Then you go on a big four-game winning streak, beating the Giants, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars, pretty much um, just beating up on the AFC South here. And then you have the Eagles in week 16, which honestly could be for the division at this point. Uh, they're going to lose that game in Dallas, and they're going to beat the Titans and beat the football team. Honestly, I'm not sure we haven't beaten the Titans. Um, the Titans are going to run all over them as long as they're healthy. Maybe Tannehill throws like four picks or something in that game. Who knows? Now, based off what we had the Eagles finishing, that would be good enough to win the division. Um, yep. Although, the over-under set at 10.5. I would very – Sorry, my mic out there. I, I'm very confident the the Cowboys would finish with the under here, under ten and a half, and uh, ten ten and seven does get the job done. Honestly, at this point, I think nine wins is more realistic. Eight or nine wins. I'm just really unless Dak Prescott in year whatever now takes a leap and becomes a, a great to elite quarterback. I'm just not sure this team is going to be good enough. I don't think that Dak is a elevator that can just elevate a bad team into the playoffs. Um, he's a good quarterback. Not sure if he's that caliber quarterback because this roster has a lot of holes. Yeah. All yeah, right. I would agree. Um, I think definitely under 10 and a half. Um, and, you know, the Vikings game could swing. The Colts game could swing. The Titans game could swing. One of those Washington games could swing. Um, I mean – Honestly, the Bengals game could end up swinging. 
there's so many there's so many games that I could end up swinging <clears throat> that I just wouldn't give the Cowboys the upper hand for. Um, it, it just again along with an unfortunately placed buy. Again, you win three straight, you have a buy, and then you got to go to Green Bay. And um, you know, Air Rodgers kills the. the- yeah, and and everyone just kills all your momentum, both the bye week and then losing to the Packers. Um, and then we have them losing to the Vikings as well. Justin Jefferson's gonna eat up Trayvon Diggs. Um and Pitch I think, Grease. Yeah. Um, so Cowboys end up winning the division. Um again, asterisks by that with the Tyron Smith injury. Eagles are breathing right down their neck, though. What a crucial week 16 game that is in Dallas. Um, that's going to, I think that's going to be for at least a tiebreaker for the division. All righty guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of sports headline show. If you guys are new, please do subscribe right here to the YouTube channel at the sports headline show. Follow us on Twitter at sports headlines. If you're listening to this on a podcasting platforms, please do give us a five-star rating and reviews. The easiest way to help out the podcast. Sean Davis here and Warner Sanker. Stay safe. We got 14 more to go. So stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.